0: Czech German Perspectives is brought to you by the Czech German Young Professionals Program. To find out more about the network, visit our Facebook page by searching CGYPP. You are listening to a new episode of Czech German Perspectives, a podcast featuring a variety of voices from both countries. We are Alex, Fabian and Michael. And we are three participants of the 2018 Czech German Young Professionals Program. This year, the program focused on
1: chances and challenges of digitalization. Digitalization is affecting many parts of our lives, both personal and professional. We decided
0: to look at the impact digitalization has on our professional fields. In this podcast we will talk about chances and challenges of digitalization with regard to media and journalism, development policy and the energy industry. Marcus Bösch is journalist, media trainer and consultant who has specialized in innovative digital media techniques and formats, mobile reporting, digital storytelling, as well as virtual reality. And all this makes him the perfect interview partner to speak about digitalization in the media sector. Marcus, great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good day. Uh, Marcus. If we think of music, film or journalism, the media industry has been one of the first sectors uprooted by the internet. What can other branches learn from its experience?
2: Well, other sectors can learn that you uh, need to sell your product online if you want to um, earn money and if you want to keep going. And that's really hard when it comes to uh, journalistic products. So people were used to getting stuff free out there on the internet and it's really hard to uh, nowadays to try and sell your articles. So other branches um, can adapt and learn when it comes to how to sell your stuff. Maybe do it in a different way than Most media companies did it in the beginning, just throwing out free stuff out there on the Internet.
0: And if you think back one decade or two with regard to journalism, what has been the most striking change?
2: Well, basically, one of the most striking changes was that um, journalists are not the ones who are the gate um, keepers anymore because uh, nowadays information floats freely out on the internet. You only need a mobile phone and internet connectivity to be a content producer. That's uh, one of the most most striking uh, differences to the 20th century. And apart from that... Um, the mobile phone was a real, real, real um, changer because, yeah, as I said before, it's so easy to produce content and to throw it out. So maybe a new um, thing is that you have to succeed in the attention economy. The day is still 24 hours long and there's so much out there that you really need to uh, think very precisely about what you want to put out and whom you want
0: to target with that. If companies, society, educational institutions succeed, where do you see the biggest potential of digital technologies?
2: Well, it's totally unbelievable for someone who grew up in the 20th century that every single person on the planet with a cheap mobile phone and internet connectivity can actually uh, address the world and say something um, to the rest of the world. That's just totally new and there's so much potential that somewhere in a little village in the middle of nowhere, people can actually watch hours and hours and hours of free educational stuff from universities like Harvard, etc. And that's um, totally crazy when you start thinking about that. There's huge potential in that, but in the end, yeah, mankind
0: whatsoever, um, yeah, has to uh, keep up with that and do something. And speaking about the constant change, you mentioned... Devices formats and even dominant platforms might nowadays change within few years and against this backdrop What what do you tell young people who are willing to enter the media sector?
2: Well, basically as always um, You have to be uh, curious and you have to um, Constantly adapt to to change and um, you cannot take anything um, For granted or if you learn something now it will possibly not be true in, in three five or ten years and maybe the job that you start with um, these days will not be the job that you will be doing in 10 15 or 20 years so um, I would always frame that as a a huge um, chance and possibility because when new stuff comes up uh, you can be the one to frame it and um, that again huge chances
0: What are other big issues to watch when it comes to digitalization in in the media sector or in general?
2: Yeah, there's always um, 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 the interesting question and then you can always hand out buzzwords like Internet of Things, Artificial Intelligence, Um, a lot of um, words on this buzzword list were like drones and whatsoever. Um, I think we should talk about um, emerging media because the next bright and shiny new thing is just around the corner so um, yeah we should be um, curious and just play around with every little thing that um, comes around that corner and uh, find out if this is really useful to tell stories to inform people and to transfer knowledge and if this is the case good, if not or so ever. there will be something new coming up
0: corner pretty soon. That's for certain. Marcus, thank you very much for your insights. It's been a pleasure.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: Digital developments are happening at an amazing speed. This is true not only for Europe and North America, but especially for so-called emerging or developing regions. Africa, Asia or Latin America. For example, did you know that the number of Internet users has tripled in the last 10 years? In Africa, mobile phones are gaining in popularity extremely fast. In 2015, more than 1 billion people in Sub-Sahara Africa possessed a mobile phone. This is more than half of the total population. It is estimated that by 2020, every second person in Africa will be able to access the internet by smartphone. Among the digital leaders are Kenya and Nigeria, where over 70% of the population have a mobile phone and over 45% are online. Mobile phones and other technologies bridge distances and divides, which not so long ago were considered major challenges. Between cities and the countryside, between farmers and markets, between doctors and patients, or between teachers and their students. Whether in Botswana, Bangladesh or Bolivia, innovators everywhere are creating smart solutions for pressing problems through online banking and payment systems, 3D printing, satellite-based weather forecasts or digital classrooms. So is it all good for emerging and developing countries? Will digitalization in itself lead to greater prosperity and human development? Or is it creating new divides, given that almost half of the world's population, over three billion people, is still offline, the majority in developing countries? In places such as Benin, Malawi, and Togo, the share of the population with internet access is extremely low, at under 10%. And finally, What does all this mean for traditional development approaches? In order to find out, we sat down and talked with Dr. Katrin Bornemann, who is a senior policy advisor on digitalization and development at the Federal Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development in Berlin. Thank you for being with us here today, Dr. Bornemann. What are the main chances and challenges of digitalization for developing countries in your view?
3: Uh, Thanks for having me, Um, the biggest challenges I think are still access, that still um, half of the world is not online, Um, infrastructure of course, then also lack of digital skills in the developing world, that would be uh, the biggest challenges. Also the inequality uh, when it comes to um, the access to to digitalizations.
1: What role do digital approaches play in German development cooperation?
3: Actually, we're trying to build up um, digitalization as uh, a new and powerful sector within uh, the portfolio of uh, German Development Corporation. We started with a topic more or less uh, four years ago and um, now we are at the stage that we have 383 uh, projects that treat digitalization as significant components. Um, we have a um, Some 150 million that we're spending specifically on projects focused on Africa to foster digitalization there. And we are active in every sector saying um, sustainable uh, economic development, environment, uh, good governance, uh, education, education, health, and so on and so forth. So uh, yes, it plays a significant role, but we're still working on making uh, it even bigger. And we're trying actually to, to lift up German development cooperation um, to become more modern, to become more innovative through digitalization. So to say, development cooperation
1: 2.0. Is development cooperation becoming irrelevant as a result?
3: I very much like that question because this is actually what we're aiming for to making us irrelevant. Um, Actually, I'm a bit torn because, of course, new technologies could serve to make development cooperation more uh, irrelevant when it comes to, for example, blockchain uh, or when it comes to tools that um, foster transparency or to make development cooperation quicker and more cost-effective. I'd say yes. We're becoming less and less important, but still, if you look at other areas such as policy framework consultation for our partner governments, I'd say we are still very much needed. We um, are looking, for example, at um, supporting the policy dialogue, uh, Smart Africa, and to supporting our partner. Governments, when it comes to how to use drones, how to actually use artificial intelligence, what are the risks and what are the challenges, and how these could be implemented.
1: What measures would you like to see to realize the full potential of digitalization for sustainable development?
3: I'd like to. Um, I'd like actually private sector to play a much bigger role here, and uh, we need the private sector because we can't. We can't function as a substitute for private investment. And um, we need the private sector to uh, invest in Africa, especially when it comes to the last mile, especially when it comes to infrastructure. And um, we are the ones that should make um, the basics and the, um, the framework for
1: investment better. Dr. Bornemann, thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much.
4: Recent buzzwords like decentralized power generation, smart grid, smart metering and even Internet of Things stand for an ongoing transformation of the energy sector. Traditional energy companies, innovative startups and digital economy companies drive the transformation of production modes and business models. In Germany, the digitalization of the energy industry goes hand-in-hand with the energy transition. We have been talking with an industry expert about central trends of digitalization in the field of energy and environmental technology. Esther Frey is working with Germany's economic development agency Germany Trade & Invest. This organization works on behalf of the German Federal Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy – and provides a wide range of information about the German business location. Esther works on topics of energy, building and environmental technologies, and she is part of a team of specialist advisors. Esther, thank you for having us today. So, Esther, let us talk about the main chances and challenges of digitalization in the energy industry. Maybe you could start uh, with power generation. What is changing in this regard?
5: Okay, Fabian, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's changing a lot in the electricity um, market as such, but also and especially in the power generation part. Let me focus a little bit on electricity only, because energy, of course, is a vast field, and uh, digitalization plays especially a role in everything that has to do with electricity. So uh, generation of electricity... Um, as as our focus, and um, there are just a couple of words about energy transition because this is the basis for everything that goes on in Germany. Um, Germany is aiming for replacing uh, conventional energy sources with renewable energies. This is, for example, hydropower, but uh, a lot of solar and wind currently in the system. And the share is at the moment 36%. And uh, the aim is to, to have this share growing uh, up to, well, if possible, even more than 80% in 2050. So this is, let's say, the aim of Germany. And uh, this means um, renewable energy sources, and this means fluctuating energies. Because in contrast to hydropower, you can't influence if the sun is shining or, vi- or the wind is blowing. So the electricity that you get is fluctuating and, uh, and this is where um, digitalization comes into the field. It's um, important to manage the sources and uh, the electricity production. And it's simply not very, let's say, not very good possible without digital um, products. So for power generation, let's start just simply with the wind turbine. Imagine the output of a wind turbine is uh, dependent on many things. So this is the model, it's the hub height, it's certainly the weather conditions, um, but it's also the locations. And uh, in, let's say, the perfect digitalized world, uh, it would for you be possible with big data to have all this information. And then, first of all, you could start with having a better planning for your uh, power plant because you would certainly choose the best model for a given location and um, have the perfect hub height and you have good planning basis for your whole project. So this is a start. So you can, say, increase output if you have more information. And this means big data available. And more than that, and even more important, is um, the prediction of the output of a wind power plant or a single wind uh, turbine because if you can predict the output you for example can um, plan your maintenance time to, that you have to um, shut down the wind uh, uh, turbine you can uh, use time frames where you are not planning to have any um, output so this means you can work more cost efficient on the other hand, with um, more data available and a good prediction of your energy output, you can also um, receive more money. And this is because the system operator of the electricity system are interested in know what uh, what amounts of electricity um, is available on the market. And this means they pay higher prices for a demand of electricity if you can sell it in advance, which means for the wind power uh, operator that uh, he needs to know at what time in the next days or even weeks what amounts of electricity is to be produced. And with this information, he can get a higher price. And uh, this is interesting for the um, operator, and this means a more cost-efficient uh, energy transition for whole Germany. So this is, let's say, the generation and uh, for renewable energies. it's certain the case that with digitalization you are able to um, have a more effective system. So this, let's say the power production system is more effective and the whole system can be more efficient.
4: I see. But uh, as you explained, if uh, the production is going to be uh, more decentralized and if the energy sources are going to fluctuate more, uh, what does that mean for the network? How will they have to adapt?
5: Okay, yeah, yeah. the network is a big challenge at the moment. Renewable energy is not anymore the challenge. The network needs to... Um, yeah, manage, let's say electricity. If you have on one hand the fluctuating energies, on the other side the demand, and um, you need, no, it comes the first way with smart, smart grids, which means that you know um, when, uh, uh, what amount of electricity is going to be produced where, well, and the same um, for the demand side. So you know in your electricity system where. There's currently a demand, and even better if you know and can predict the future when a certain demand will arise. So, if you have the smart grids and grid, and know um, where the demand uh, will be in what what time and in what period, you um, are able to manage the system using, for example, uh, storage technologies. There are yeah, different technologies available. And uh, you can use this storage, for example, with renewable energies in a time of high wind speeds or um, yeah, during the summer, it also goes with solar electricity, of course. Then you can store the electricity in times of um, oversupply and use this electricity in times of high demand or, let's say, just less wind and that uh, um, stabilizes, let's say, the system. And uh, this is based on a lot of information, of course, and uh, you need a digitalized system to do all this. Also important in this regard is demand-side management. So, yes, digitalization plays a role for electricity generation, but also for the demand side, because uh, with, um, let's say, pricing signals in a smart grid Using smart meters and everything. If you have a price signal that in a certain time, for example, with a lot of wind, you can uh, reduce prices, and with these reduced prices, produce electricity intense um, products on a yeah just cheaper. Then it's interesting for the industry to yeah to to produce to have certain processes in times of low prices and high wind speeds. And um, this is something where you, as a um, system operator, so the one that um, managed the electricity net, you can really change demand a little bit according to the generation side. And uh, yeah, so demand side management as well as storage is yeah is simply two options to have a more efficient electricity system.
4: Um, so far, we have been talking mainly about uh, the industry level. So if we now focus more on the private households, uh, what will change for them? What uh, kind of new business models can you see?
5: Okay, um, a lot. On the basis, it's the same as for the whole network system that you have in a country such as Germany. The same applies, let say, also for private households. Uh, imagine a house with a um, PV installation on the rooftop, maybe even a, like, um, a battery in the cellar, and uh, this household is therefore a producer of electricity, is certainly also a consumer, which uh, leads to the term of prosumer for, um, for this person or household, and... All this also has to be managed. So, um, in times of shining sun, simply the electricity, of course, can directly be used. But imagine there's nobody at home, you have a high production, but you don't need electricity, then uh, it is to be stored in the battery. And uh, for example, if your battery is full, then you have to um, feed the electricity into the grid. Or if the battery is empty, you can yeah, feed the battery with um, electricity from the grid in times of no sun. So this is um, a highly digitalized um, system, and um, this is a huge market in the future. So when you speak nowadays about smart home, this is always um, an energy system or management system also. Um, part of it. And this is a huge market um, as well as, in general, again, the rates and prices for electricity because the private household, of course, could also benefit from uh, differing prices. And this is also just possible with the smart meter installations and, and, let's say, a smart home system. And of course, there are, yeah, there's much more to it. You have even, um, um new technologies like e-mobility, for example, or, um, also, um, the heating systems in a home. So let's speak about sector coupling. This is an issue for, or let's say a huge market for the whole electricity market, the whole system as such. But for each single household, it is also uh, means also new markets and new applications. Just think about, yes, we have, we had the example of PV installation, battery cellar. And if the uh, person is a household is using an electric um, vehicle, then you have again another battery that you are able to charge another um, consumer also on your small household grid and on the big scale. it makes it more complicated, but on a big scale you can even think about having the big system operator using the battery inside your vehicle for stabilizing the whole system. So in times of um, a higher demand somewhere else the electricity operator, system operator could use your battery in the cellar or in your electric car to provide electricity for third parties. So it's really a huge change that's going on at the moment, and that's happening so much that, yeah, at least we here at German Trade and Invest, we see many, many new business fields and uh, many, yeah, new technologies involved that are really interesting. Mm-hmm.
4: Esther, thank you uh, for all those insights. It uh, was really a pleasure talking to you.
5: Thank you. <laughs>